Hello, welcome back to The Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan McCrary, and today we are going to be talking about NFL free agency, really just reviewing free agency, talking about the biggest winners, the biggest losers, what were some of the best deals, and what were some of the worst deals. Then after that, we're going to talk about the 2020 wide receivers class, talk about some guys I really like, some underrated guys that a lot of people may not be talking about. But I really want to focus on Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and C.D. Lamb, talking about those guys. And to finish off the pod, uh, recently I wrote an article uh, talking about my my fantasy all-time NBA team. I created a team, a 12-man roster, uh, that I, where I could choose 12 players from the entire history of the NBA. From It's around, I think the NBA was created, or it, it started in 1946. And so, for the entire 74-year history of the NBA, I could choose 12 players to put on my team. Um, so I did that. So I want to talk about that. And uh, let's go ahead and get started talking about NFL free agency. This was a crazy free agency period. Um, I, I don't remember free agency being as interesting as it was this year. A lot of teams improved. Like, a ton of teams improved drastically. Um, it's going to be a really fun season. Of course, if we have a season, you know, with coronavirus going on right now, um, it's kind of iffy on whether or not the season will start on time or if the season will start at all. But anyways, let's go ahead and get into the best deals of free agency. Uh, the first deals that come to mind, the first really good deals uh, that come to my mind are Tampa Bay signing Tom Brady to a two-year, $50 million contract, and the Saints re-signing Drew Brees. Those were both really good moves. Uh, obviously, both quarterbacks are top-ten quarterbacks. They're both extremely talented. They've been really good over the past few years. Tampa Bay got a huge upgrade at quarterback, going from Jameis Winston to the greatest player of all time. Um, so that was a huge move for them. They're probably going to make the playoffs this year. I would bet money that they'll be a playoff team. Just because they, they probably should have made the playoffs last year. They have a really good defense. Uh, they had the number one run defense in the league last year. And they have a lot of weapons on offense. They don't have... Uh, they have a solid run game. They need a little bit more consistency from Ronald Jones Jr. But um, other than that, they got a really good offense, a lot of weapons on that side of the ball, and they got a really good defense. And adding in Tom Brady, who will not turn the ball over as much as uh, Jameis Winston did last year, I expect them to make a push for the playoffs. And I, I don't see why they couldn't, um, you know, fight fight for a playoff spot. Um, and the Saints, they've been on a roll the last few years. They've been really good. They've been at the top of the NFC for years. And bringing Drew Brees back just means that they're going to be at the top of the NFC for another season. And they'll probably win the NFC South. I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, they're the best team in that division. They had a really good defense last year. Uh, a great run defense and pass defense. They ranked in the top five. Um, in total defense, I believe. I could be wrong. They definitely ranked top 10 in total defense. Um, and then, of course, Drew Brees was great last year. Um, Alvin Kamara, he needs, to, he needs to have a comeback season this year. He had a really rough year last year. Uh, hopefully, he can come back. Um, they did add Emmanuel Sanders, which wasn't a great contract. That wasn't a great deal, uh, but he's a talented receiver, so I like that. Uh, they have a number two receiver behind Michael Thomas now, or at least a legitimate uh, wide receiver number two. Um, but yeah, they both teams bringing back their starting quarterbacks, those were really big moves. Um uh, another good deal, I want to talk about, there were two deals made by the Jets that were really low-key, they're not, like, super flashy, uh, but they they brought back Pierre Desir, or no, they signed Pierre Desir from the Colts, and they brought back Brian Poole, uh, both contracts were under $6 million, and both contracts were one-year deals. Uh, both corners are pretty solid. I was really upset when the Falcons didn't bring back Brian Poole a few years back, we could have we re-signed him for, like, Less than $3 million. And we decided to let him go for whatever reason. He's really solid. Um, He's been good in New York. And, I mean, those were two good signings. I mean, you get two solid uh, starting corners for less than $12 million total. That's that's a great bargain. That's a really good value. I like those moves from the Jets. Um, I don't love some of the moves the Jets made. Trying to, you know, they tried to... 
um, you know, put a band-aid on their offensive line. I don't love some of the deals, like bringing in George Fant. I didn't love that deal. Um, but those were some good deals. They also brought in Rashad Perriman to replace Robbie Anderson. That was a great deal. Um, and they made some good moves. They haven't improved, like, drastically like some teams have. But they made some really, really good value moves that are just really smart. And, um, I like that. Uh, another good deal. Um, let me look. I have this written down. Um... Okay, Nanavakin Sue, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are, are on this list once again. They re-signed Sue to a one-year, eight million dollar deal. That is a huge signing, and of course they're trying to make they're they're going all in next season. They're trying to contend, and this improves their chances of contending for a Super Bowl. Um, I like this move. Sue is aging a little bit. He's getting up there in age. Uh, but he's still a solid defensive tackle. I like this signing. They're not committing to him for long. It's just a one-year deal, and it's not much. Only $8 million. I like that signing. Um, any other deals? I don't really think think so. Um, I wasn't going to do tr- talk about trades here. Um, I'll talk about trades in a minute. I was just, just wanted, wanted to focus on uh, primarily signings. I uh, don't really remember any other great deals. I do want to mention uh, the Eagles signing Nikhil Ruby Coleman to a one-year, $1 million deal. That's a steal. Uh, Col- uh, Nikhil Ruby Coleman uh, is worth more than $1 million. He's a, a solid slot cornerback, and that is just a steal. Um, I can't believe they got him for $1 million. That's insane. Um, anyone would do that. That was a great deal. Uh, let's move on to the worst deals, because there are a few a few deals that were just awful. And starting off, um, the Giants, they franchise tag Leonard Williams, which makes no sense. Now they're going to have to pay him um, like he's a top five uh, defensive lineman. I believe he's a defensive tackle. I could be wrong. It might be a defensive end. Um, I don't know what position he played last year for the Giants. But he'll be paid uh, the average of the top five at that position. That's ridiculous. He's not good enough for that. I don't know why the Giants franchise tagged him. It makes no sense. He wasn't good enough last year to be to be worth paying him like like he was top five at his position. He just wasn't. Um, and, and that didn't make a lot of sense to me. I thought it made no sense. That was stupid in my opinion. Um, I really don't know what the Giants are doing there. They made a, a, a few questionable moves, like bringing in Blake Martinez, who is not a great linebacker, doesn't have great instincts. They brought him in. Um, they did. I they did. They did not have a great free agency. Um, those were a few moves that I really, really did not like. Uh, I think probably um the worst move based uh, from a value standpoint was the Jimmy Graham contract that the Bears gave um to him they gave him a two a, a deal that was two years um 60 million dollars and that's way too much for Jimmy Graham like who was going to pay that like please show me or tell me what team was going to pay Jimmy Graham 8 million dollars a year he's old he's when he wasn't very good in, in uh, Green Bay, like no one was going to be paying him anywhere near sixteen million dollars. That made no sense to me. They also paid a lot for Robert Quinn. He was good in Dallas. They just paid him. Um, they gave him a seventy million dollar contract. I understand thirty million is all that was guaranteed, which that's solid. Um, but that they that was a little bit of a uh, that was a little expensive for me for Robert Quinn. I do like Quinn. Uh, that wasn't one of the worst deals in my opinion. I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, I do want to talk about one trade they made, and that was trading for Nick Foles. They traded a fourth rounder for Foles, and then they restructured his deal to where he can now leave after a year or two, which makes absolutely no sense. So you're going to trade a fourth round pick for a guy who was who was hurt last year and got benched for a rookie quarterback that was drafted in the fifth round, I believe, possibly sixth round. And you're going to trade a fourth-round pick for him, and then you're going to restructure his deal so he can leave after a year if he wants to? That's stupid. Why would you do that? The Bears had a terrible free agency. I don't understand what they're doing. 
That makes literally no sense. Why would you trade a fourth rounder for, for a guy who can leave in a year? That just makes no sense. I don't understand why GMs are making stupid decisions. Like Bill O'Brien, he traded his best receiver, um, who's top three in the league at his position, and is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. He traded him and couldn't even get a first-round pick back. He didn't get a second-round pick and an injury-prone running back who hasn't been um, good since 2016. I mean, he's still talented. David Johnson is still a talented running back. But he hasn't been great since 2016. And I don't know what to expect from him moving forward. But I really just don't understand what these NFL GMs are doing. And, like, I, like some of these moves, like, some of the trades that were made in free agency were, or in, in the offseason were just stupid. It was just ludicrous. Um, anyways, um, that's pretty much all I want to talk about in terms of the best and the worst deals. Um... Let's move on to the biggest winners, and there were a lot of winners from free agency. I want to talk about the Bills, who improved drastically. The Bills added a lot to their defensive line. They added Quentin Jefferson, Brennan Butler, Mario Addison, three huge additions. Then they traded for Stephon Diggs, so they finally have a legitimate number one wide receiver. They traded a lot to get Diggs. But now they finally have a number one wide receiver for Josh Allen. That was a big move. They got EJ Gaines, Josh Norman, uh, Quentin Spain, Daryl Williams. They had a great free agency. And they're probably a top 10 team now. Like, I'm serious. And they should be favorites to win their division now that Tom Brady has left the Patriots. I don't see why they couldn't win that division. It's not very good. Um, and they made some really big upgrades. They are a lot better, and I'm really excited to watch the Bills now. Um, let's talk about the Cardinals. The Cardinals, um, didn't make a whole lot of smart signings, didn't have a lot of smart signings, but they did trade for DeAndre Hopkins, which I mentioned earlier. Huge trade. That was a great move by them. They, they traded, um, a second round pick and David Johnson for a top three receiver in the league. That's a great deal. Um, so I, I consider them winners for fleecing the Texans and Bill O'Brien. That was a great move. They also signed, uh, Jordan Phillips, which was a solid move. I don't like the move they made to, uh, sign Devontae Campbell to a one-year $8.5 million deal. Campbell has been below average, um, his entire career. Hasn't been very good in the last few seasons. And I, I mean, he's just not worth $8.5 million, even on a one-year deal. He's not worth it. I didn't like that. Uh, but getting Hopkins for what they gave up for him, that was just highway robbery. And I love what they did in free agency. I'm right, moving on. Baltimore Ravens. Who, who, wow. They improved so much. Um, they got Kalias Kimmel for a fifth round pick, which was also a steal. Um, they got, they placed the franchise tag on Matthew Judon. They got Matt Skura. They placed the original round tender on him. Um, they re-signed Jimmy Smith. Uh, they uh, they re-signed Jihad Ward. Um, and then they agreed to a one-year deal with Derek Wolf. They had a deal to bring in Michael Brockers, but he failed a physical, so they weren't able to bring him in. Um, that sucks, but either way, they still had a really good free agency. And this doesn't... Um, no, never mind. I was going to mention... They traded the fifth-round pick for Clyde Campbell and Marcus Peters all in the last uh, 365 days. Their, their GM has been fleecing teams, um, and they really improved their defense this offseason. I like what they've done. Um, let's look. Any other teams? Carolina Panthers, who looked, it looked like they were going to be rebuilding after trading away Trey Turner. And uh, releasing Cam Newton, but they uh, they signed Teddy Bridgewater, they signed Robbie Anderson, uh, they re-signed Trey Boston, um, they acquired Russell Okung from the Chargers in the Trey Turner trade. Well, they they lost that deal; they were losers in that deal. I thought the Chargers um, got an upgrade. Nevertheless, they got a tackle, um, and. It looks like they might could still possibly be competitive. A lot of people were thinking they might try to tank for Trevor. I don't think that's the plan now. I mean, they have Teddy Bridgewater for three years. Uh, their, their, their defense was really good last year. They have a lot of weapons on offense. They have Robbie Anderson. 
They have DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey's one of the best players in the entire league. Um, Brian Burns was great as a rookie. Um, and they lost Luke Kuechly to retirement, but they still have a good defense. Um, and I expect them to be competitive next year. They, they probably won't finish top two in the NFC South, but they're going to be competitive. Um, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs just because the NFC is so deep this year. Uh, but they'll still, they won't, they're not going to be terrible. They're not going to be bottom feeders. Um, they might be below average, but I would expect them to be around, be average, slightly above average. Um, they're, it's going to be tough for them because, like I said, the conference is so deep. But I think they should be competitive. Um, let's look. Cincinnati Bengals, they had a good offseason. They, um, agreed to a three-year million-dollar deal with Von Bell. He's going to be their strong safety. Uh, they signed McKenzie Alexander to a one-year, $4 million deal. They franchise-tagged A.J. Green to give Joe Burrow a weapon. Um, it, it looks like they're probably going to draft Joe Burrow. Um, I would be surprised if they picked anybody else. Uh, they re- they agreed to a three-year, $42 million contract with Trey Waynes. That's a little bit expensive, uh, but Waynes is a solid corner. Um, the deal I liked the most by them was a four-year, $53 million contract with B.J. Reader. He's one of the best, if not the best, nose tackles in the entire NFL. Um, he's great, and I don't know why the Texans didn't try to keep him, but Bill O'Brien continues to suck at decision-making. Um, he let him go, and the Bengals really made some big additions to their defense. I think they could really shock people. They're not going to make the playoffs. I'm not predicting that. But they could be a really solid team next year. They made some big additions to their defense. Their offense is going to be solid. They have Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, or they'll have Joe Burrow if they pick him with the number one pick. Uh, they'll have AJ Green. Um, who was that? Uh, Tyler Boyd. He's a number two receiver. They'll have John Ross, who is good if he can stay healthy. Their offensive line sucks. Like their offensive line is terrible, but they can address that in the draft. Um. I mean, and their defense is really improved. They have Geno Atkins, DJ Reader, um, uh, who's the guy from uh, Carl Lawson? He's defensive end from Auburn that they drafted a few years back. Their defensive line is solid. Uh, they have Jermaine Pratt at linebacker, um, and their secondary just improved so much in the offseason. I really like what they've done. And the Bengals are probably not going to be bottom feeders this year. I know it's kind of shocking, uh, but I don't expect them to suck. Which is, you know, a, a huge W for them. Let's look. Cleveland Browns, they actually had a really good uh, free agency. They brought in Austin Hooper. Uh, they overpaid him. They paid him way too much, in my opinion. But he is one of the best tight ends in the league. They brought him in on a four-year, $42 million deal. And then they signed Jack Conklin, who improves their offensive line, which really struggled last year. I like that move. Um, I, and they'll probably address offensive tackle with the 10th pick in the draft. Um, I don't know if that's absolutely necessary, just because they are working with Baker May- Mayfield to fix his drop back. They're going to make it shorter, so he's not dropping back as deep. That'll help out the offensive line. So they could they can do a lot with the 10th pick. They could go tackle. They could also go defensive line, go with an edge rusher. Um, but they made some big improvements to their team. They also signed Adrian Claiborne who isn't great, but he's a solid defensive end. And then they also placed a second-round tender in Kareem Hunt, so he's going to be back on the team. They also brought in Case Keenum as their backup quarterback. And look, you're only as good as your backup, as your um, your worst quarterback. And so now they have Case Keenum as their backup. They also brought in Cole Joseph and Andrew Sendejo. Those are two solid moves. I like what the Browns have done. They really made some big improvements to their team. Dallas Cowboys, they had a great free agency. They brought in HaHa Clinton Dix on a one-year deal worth $4 million. They re-signed Anthony Brown. Um, they re-signed Blake Jarwin, re-signed Sean Lee. They re-signed Joe Looney. Um, they agreed to terms with Gerald McCoy. They signed him to a three-year deal worth $18.3 million. They also agreed to a deal with Don Terry Poe. They franchise tagged Dak Prescott, re-signed Darian Thompson, and finally they signed Greg Zerline to a three-year, $7.5 million deal. He's one of the best kickers in the league. He's awesome. I like what they did. They improved their defense. They re-signed guys. They kept Amari Cooper, 
and they came back Prescott, they did lose, um, uh, who, who did they lose, the corner, crap, hold up, I have it, I can look, I'm, I have, I'm having a brain fart right now, uh, they lost their number one corner, and I cannot remember his name, please come back to me, Byron Jones, okay, yeah, they lost Byron Jones, he went to the Dolphins, but they made a lot of, they made some key additions to their defense, and just retaining Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott was a huge necessity for them, they did that, I like what they did, alright, uh, Indianapolis Colts, they traded for DeForest Buckner, uh, they traded the 13th overall pick. They probably weren't going to get a guy who could match the value of DeForest Buckner, who's one of the best defensive tackles in the entire league. Probably second best behind Aaron Donald. He's a beast. They agreed to a two-year two-year $33 million deal with Anthony Costanzo. Uh, they signed Xavier Rhodes. They brought in Phillip Rivers to replace uh, Jacoby Brissett. So they're going to be contending. And they need to add on some more targets on offense. They need to add a receiver to be a receiver number two behind T.Y. Hilton. Uh, they have Marlon Mack. They have one of the best offensive lines in the entire league. They got a really good defense. I'm excited to watch the Colts next year. They're going to be a really, really good team. And they're probably going to make the playoffs. Alright, um, let's see. Anybody else that really had a really good free agency? Um... Let's look. The Chargers, yeah, the Chargers had a, a really, really good free agency. They agreed to a three-year, $30 million deal with the, with Brian Bulaga, who's a solid offensive tackle when he's healthy. They re-signed Austin Eckler. Uh, they brought in Chris Harris on a two-year, $17 million deal. I like that. Uh, they placed the franchise tag on Hunter Henry. They agreed to a two-year, $17 million deal with Linval Joseph. And then they traded for Trey, for Trey Turner. I like what they're doing. Um, they're going all in on this year. I'd like to see them sign like Cam Newton. I'd like to see them add a quarterback. Um, but they seem to like Tyrod Taylor. And if they if he fits their system, I'm fine with that. I personally do not like Tyrod Taylor and don't trust him enough as a passer. Uh, but if they can get the most out of them, hey, it's their move. Um, but I would personally like to see them. Uh, upgrade at quarterback, but other, if they even if they don't do that, they still have a really good defense, um, and they got a lot of weapons on offense. They have Austin Eckler, who was really good last year, and po probably better than Melvin Gordon, who left for Denver. And then they still have Mike Williams and Kenan Allen. Hunter Henry's coming back, and I mean they have a really really good team next year, and they're going to be one of the best teams in the AFC. Uh, let's look. Any other teams made some good moves? The Dolphins spent a lot of money. Some of the moves I didn't like, so I don't think they were they were one of the biggest winners from free agency. Uh, but they spent a ton of money. Uh, the Patriots. I wouldn't call them winners. They lost all. They had a lot of departures. A lot of a lot of guys left. A lot of really talented players left in New England. So that was rough. The Saints. Yeah, they definitely were winners. They re-signed Drew Brees. Um, they kept Taysom Hill. They signed Malcolm Jenkins, who's a really, really solid safety. They re-signed him to, or they signed him to a four-year, thirty-two million dollar deal. Um, they re-signed Andrews Pete, and they brought in Emmanuel Sanders, who wasn't great last year, uh, but he's a talented receiver. They finally have a receiver, a wide receiver number two behind Michael Thomas. Um, Ooh, excuse me. Uh, let's see. Anybody else? The Eagles. Yeah, they had they had a really good free agency. They traded for Darius Slay. Um, they signed Nikel Ruby Coleman to a one year deal worth one million dollars. They re-signed Jalen Mills, who is a, a really good nickel corner. Uh, they brought in J Javon Hargrave, who is a really solid nose tackle. They brought him in on a three year thirty nine million dollar deal, and then they signed Jatavis Brown to a one year deal. Um, they had they they made some big moves, big additions to their defense. Um, I'd like to see them add some weapons on offense. They really need receiver. They'll they'll focus on that in the draft. Um, I think the Eagles are going to be really really good next year. They have a chance to be really good at least. 
and they'll probably uh, they'll be in condition to win uh, win their division. They'll have to compete with the the Cowboys, but a- after last year, I think I think that's a possibility. They'll have a good chance to win their division. I like the moves they made. Uh, the Steelers, I wouldn't say they were big winners because they didn't do a whole lot, but they did bring Eric Ebron in on a two-year, twelve million dollar deal. And if he uh, has the type of production that he had in 2018, that is more than worth it. Um, he just needs to get back to the old Eric Ebron, who was a really, really good tight end. Um, but we'll see what he does. They also put the franchise tag on Bud Dupree. He had a really good year last year, had double-digit sacks. So we'll see what they do. Um, let's look. Anybody else make any huge moves? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they were huge winners. They brought in the greatest player of all time. Uh, they placed a franchise tag on Shaquille Barry, who had a breakout season last year. Had a, um, He led the league in sacks. Then they uh, they agreed the terms with Kevin Minter. They re-signed Jason Pierre-Paul, re-signed the Dominican Sioux. And so they're, they're looking to make a playoff run next year. They're a really good team, and I expect them to contend uh, for the NFC South crown. The Titans, um, they, I'll say they're winners. They, they had a huge playoff run last year, and they retained, retained everybody from that run except for Jerome Casey, who they traded to the Broncos in a terrible deal. Um, but they re-signed, or they placed a franchise tag on Derrick Henry. Um, they brought back Ryan Tannehill. They agreed to a four-year, $118 million contract. I don't like the Vic Beasley deal, um, but the fact that they were able to keep Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, that's a huge W for them. Um, let's look. I'm almost at the end. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Those are all the winners. Biggest losers, probably the Patriots. They they lost a lot of really talented players like Danny Shelton, Tom Brady, Kyle Van Nooy, uh, Jamie Collins. So, um, and they, they don't have a quarterback right now. They still have a, a solid, de- a, a good defense, uh, but they don't have any reliable option at quarterback. Um, or, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to seem disrespectful towards Jared Stidham. He is a talented quarterback. We just haven't seen him play at the next level. So I don't know what we have in him. He could be very good, but for a, what, all we know, he just, he, he's just an unproven quarterback. Um, I would say they're losers. Um, anybody else? The Bears are losers. I mean, they they had some really bad deals that just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, the Giants, I don't know if I want to call them losers. I don't want to call them losers. They brought, they had some solid moves, like bringing in James Bradbury. I'm not going to call them losers. Um... Uh, the Jaguars, overall, they, they had a rough offseason, uh, but they're in rebuild mode now, so I'm not going to crap on them. I think, really, the only teams that were losers were the Bears and the Patriots. Um, those were really the only teams that were losers. Oh, I also want to mention, going back to winners, uh, Green Bay Packers. They signed Christian Kirksey to a two-year, $60 million deal. That's solid. They also added Devin Funches. Um, he's had a rough last few seasons. Um, he he wasn't great with the Colts and had a rough last season with the, the Panthers. Uh, but he is talented. Hopefully, he can get back to what he once was. Um, he also re-signed Mercedes Lewis. And they agreed to, uh, to a deal with Rick Wagner. Not a lot of, no, nothing flashy. Um, and they made some really solid moves, and I like what they did there. Oh, the biggest loser of free free agency besides the Patriots is the Texans. They lost DJ Reader. They traded Hopkins away for pocket change. They they are the biggest loser from free agency. I almost forgot about them, but you know, I can't I can't I can't just let an opportunity slip. Let the opportunity to crap. On um, Bill O'Brien's slip, I gotta, I gotta take that chance. I gotta, you know, um, uh, take advantage of that opportunity because he's a terrible GM and he's done a horrendous job with the Texans so far this offseason. But yeah, so that's pretty much everything from free agency. It's been a really, really, really entertaining offseason so far. I can't wait to get into the draft, which is coming up this month. I'm excited about that. And speaking of the draft. Let's talk, let's talk about this 2020 wide receivers class, which is 
One of the deepest uh, wide receivers class we've seen in years is extremely talented. But before I get into this, I'm going to take a break. I'll see y'all in a minute. Alright, I'm back. And like I was saying, this is one of the deepest wide receivers class we have seen ever. Like, it is, in, it is insane the depth this wide receivers class has. Uh, some underrated guys. One of the most underrated receivers in this entire class, in my opinion, is Denzel Mims. Not a ton of people are talking about him. Uh, a lot of analysts probably know who this guy is, but the average uh, college football fan or the average NFL fan probably doesn't know who this guy is. He's a wide receiver from Baylor. He is a monster. He's a physical freak. Runs a 4.38. He ran a 4.38 40-yard dash in the combine. He's 6.3. He's physical. A really good route runner. Has a huge catch radius. Really physical downfield, and he's a, a pretty solid run, uh, route runner. He's really good. He's one of my favorite guys in this entire class. I like him. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, he is, his film is really, really good and fun to watch. Um, he's a big play receiver. Um, he's, I don't know how tall he is. I believe he's like around six feet tall. Um, a solid route runner. Um, he, he just, he makes plays deep down the field. I like him. He's a huge playmaker. Um, I really like him. I don't see a lot of people talking about him. I don't know if he, I don't think he's worth a first round pick. Like, I don't think he's better than any of the top three guys in this class. I don't think he's better than Mims. I don't think he's better than Justin Jefferson, who I expect to go in the first round. But he's solid. Um, anybody else? I kind of like KJ Hamler. Um, I, I, I do admit that he's not a great receiver, and I can admit that I can be object objective, but I just, the way he eats up space, open, the way he eats up open space on the field, it's insane. He is so fast and so quick, doesn't have the best hands, but he, he is just a big play waiting to happen, and I'd love to see, like, the Chiefs get him in the second or third round. Um, it, like, if he gets in, into Andy Reid's hands, God help us all, because it, it, it is going to be extremely difficult to try to stop an offense with Tyreek Hill and KJ Hammer on the same field together. It'll be insane if he goes to the Chiefs, but I like him. Um, there aren't a whole lot of guys in this class that I think are overrated. The one guy that I do not like is mm -hmm. T. Higgins. It's nothing personally personal. I I don't ha I don't hate T. Higgins as a person. I just do not like this guy as a receiver. He is big. He he's athletic. Um, he he has a huge catch radius and he can jump out of the gym. You just throw the ball up to him deep down the field and he's coming down with it. But that's about all he can do. He's not very fast. His pro day was pretty disappointing. Um, he's not a great route runner. He's uh, he's not as physical as you want him to be as a route runner. Uh, too many times he lets the, uh, the he lets the guy covering him um, dictate his route. He's not as good of a, a blocker as you'd like for him to be with his size and his physical traits. You you you, you would expect him to be a better blocker. Um, he, he is a, a, a great weapon deep down the field, and he, he will bail out his quarterback at the next level, because his catch radius is so big, and he is really physical, um, but he just, he doesn't offer enough, he's not versatile, um, and I, I really, I really w would like to see him improve as a blocker and a route runner, he doesn't have to be a great route runner for me to like him, he just... Just too many times I saw I saw um, him have his routes be dictated by whoever was covering him, and you can't have that happen at the next level. Um, Higgins, I still think he's a, a good receiver. Like he's not he's not terrible. I just don't see him as a top five receiver in this class. Probably at the bottom of the top ten. He's like probably around seven, seven or eight. Um, but I see a lot of people have him as like the fourth receiver in this class, and I totally disagree with that. Um, I just, I don't think he's better than Mims. I don't think he's better than Justin Jefferson. I just don't. I think those guys bring more to the table than a Higgins. But those are some of the, those are my underrated and my overrated guys. Now, I, and this is what I've been looking forward to in this podcast. Talking about Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, 
and Henry Ruggs. Now, I read an article about all three of these guys highlighting why these guys are the three best receivers in this class. And I'm going to rate these guys here on this podcast episode. But I want to just, full disclosure, each one of these receivers is amazing. They're all great. I predict all of them to have amazing careers. I think they all have the potential to be incredible at the next level. They're all extremely talented. So when I nitpick these guys, I don't want anybody getting offended or anyone thinking I'm calling these guys terrible. Because I'm not. They're all really good. And they're all really unique. Like, they're all different. Like, neither of them are the same. Like, they, don't, they're all, they all have different play styles, which is really cool. Um, let's start off with Jerry Judy, who is my favorite to watch out of the bunch. Um, I li- I love him. He's a he's the best route runner I've seen ever. Um, like, and that's that's like a little bit of an exaggeration, but he is one of the best route runners we've seen in the last like twenty years. He is awesome. Just he is flat out amazing. The way he uses his hips and his hands uh, to get open is incredible. He he is a great route runner. He gets open all the time on film. Um. He's got very loose hips, and he know he he just he has mastered the technical parts of the wide receiver position, and I love that. He's also athletic. He's really fast. Has four four five speed. Um, he can make guys miss after the catch, he, which is really surprising. He's more of a slot receiver, um, but I like what he what he can do with the ball in his hands after the catch. He can make guys miss. He's really uh, elusive. Um, I really love Judy, and he's he's just really, really good. And I think he's going to be a high-volume production guy early on in his career. And early on, he's probably going to be better than Lamb and Ruggs. I think Lamb and Ruggs have more potential, but early on, Judy's probably going to produce more than both of those guys, d- depending on where he goes, of course. Um, but Judy, I love him. He's probably my favorite to watch out of the bunch. Um, I still think the other guys have more potential. Alright, CeeDee Lamb. When you turn on the tape for this, when you turn on his film, it is incredible what this guy does. He is physical. He can make contested catches down the field. He's got a big catch radius. Um, he's a good route runner. Not, he's nowhere near as good of a route runner as Jerry Judy. But for his size and his play style, he is a very good route runner. He's a smooth route runner. Um, coming out of his breaks, he's very smooth. He doesn't have as good of feet as like Ruggs or Judy. Um, he doesn't come out of his breaks as smooth as those guys do. But he is a, a good route runner. Um, and when you put the ball in his hands, it's insane what he can do in the open field. He makes guys miss. He is super elusive. It's hard to put a hand on this guy. Like, it really is. He makes guys miss at such a high rate. It's insane what he does with the ball in his hands. And he's super versatile. He can play on the outside. He can play in the slot. Um, You can just ask him to go deep down the field. You can throw it up to him. He can make contested catches. You can ask him to play in the slot, run slants, run out routes, run in routes, run crossers. He can do pretty much anything on the field. The one thing that will hold CeeDee Lamb back from being just an all-time great receiver is his speed. He doesn't have elite speed. Ran a 4-5-1 in the combine. If he had um, sub-4-4-4 sub speed, he would... Like, people would talk about him as being one of the best receivers we've seen in recent memory. Like, he, he has all the tools. Just as I have the physical traits that that you would uh, see in an all-time great receiver. I still think he has the potential to be extremely good at the next level. It's why I think he's better than Jerry Judy. Just his versatility and what he can do with the ball in his hands and his and his physicality down the field, I think that, that that's what makes him better than Jerry Judy. Um, the only thing he's missing is elite speed. But other than that, he's awesome. I love CeeDee Lamb. I think he's amazing. Alright, Henry Ruggs. I love Henry Ruggs. This man is so disrespected by the masses. I feel like I feel like a lot of people 
are just going to label him as a speed receiver. They're just going to be like, oh, this guy is just fast. He doesn't offer anything else, which is a lie. Henry Ruggs is possibly the best receiver in this class. And let me tell you why. Not only does he have elite speed, he ran a sub-4-3-40. He's super athletic. He can jump out of the gym. Um, he can make catches away from his body. He's super athletic. can make tough catches. Um, he's got a, a solid catch radius for his size. And he is a great route runner. Almost as good as Jerry Judy. Like, he's close to that level. He is amazing. Can uses a bunch of different releases coming out of his break. He is great. Um, he, he just gets wide open. Um, and he creates separation during his route because of his elite speed. There's one play against LSU where he used a single, a single, a single move off the release, um, to fake out Christian Fulton, Fulton Pitt. He had, he had the leverage, but then all of a sudden he created the separation using just his speed, and then he faked to the outside like he was gonna run an out route, came inside, cut inside, got wide open, and it was a beautiful play. You can see that play in the article I wrote on our website at The Wire Sports. Um, go check that out. But yeah, he's a beast. He's great. And, and his speed is what separates him from everyone else in this class. And what, and he's gonna be such a deep threat at the next level. You're gonna have to worry about him on every single play. And if you don't keep him in check, He's gonna make you pay, and if he doesn't make you pay, he's gonna spread your, he's gonna stretch your defense so much that you're gonna have to give up um, short gains and medium gains, and he's gonna, he's gonna allow, he's gonna allow his other, um, his teammates to shine, cause he's gonna take, he, the, he's gonna take up, um, and the defense is gonna focus primarily on him, and he's gonna stretch the defense, and like I said, the medium. Medium routes and short routes are going to be open. His teammates are going to eat. And so he, he's going to... He, he has so much value because of his speed and because of his athleticism and what he can do as a route runner. He's awesome, and I think he might... He just might be the best receiver in this class. Um, if I had to rate these guys, I would have CeeDee Lamb number one. Um, I think what separates him from, from Ruggs is what he does with the ball in his hands. At this point, he's a little more physical. Um, I think he's a little more versatile than Henry Ruggs. Uh, but Ruggs has more potential. I, I could, I think it's more, instead of it being one lamb, two rugs, I think it's more one A lamb, one B Henry Ruggs. And then I have Judy three. Uh, Judy is great. The one issue I have with Judy that, that's a, a, pre, a big negative with his hands. He has worse hands than Lamb and Ruggs, and I think that's what really hurts him. But like I said, I love all three of these guys. They're all three really, really talented wide receivers, and I think they can be great at the next level. Now, if I had to say who was going to be the best pro, if I, if I had to put money on it, I would probably say Henry Ruggs, but I think, I think Jerry Judy has the lowest floor. Like, Jerry Judy is a sure thing, in my opinion. I think he is going to be very productive. He's going to have, um, he's going to get a lot of, a lot of targets early in his career, and he's going to be very productive. Um, I just don't think he's as talented as Lamb and Ruggs, and I think he has limitations that those, that those guys don't have. Alright, let's close out the podcast with my, my fantasy all-time NBA team, um, it's a, my, it's a 12-man roster, and the only rule is that with every player I choose to be on my team, I have to choose a specific year that they played. So, and the reason I do that is because every player, they, they go through different versions of themselves in their career. Some guys change their play styles, uh, and in and, and, and that for that reason, I want to... Um, I, I, that's why I'm choosing a different version for each player. Like, if I wanted LeBron James, I would have to choose either, like, 2013 LeBron, or 2016, or 2019 LeBron. Even if I wanted to go that, you can go with that LeBron. I have to specify which version of each player I choose. But without further ado, let me get it, let's get into this. My first player, 1992 Michael Jordan. I averaged 34.5 points per game. 
5.8 assists per game, 6.2 rebounds per game, 2 steals, and 0.7 blocks. He was great. And all these stats that I'm using are from the playoffs, so um, keep in mind, keep that in mind. He was amazing. This is when he peaked as a competitor. I could have gone with 91, which is when he peaked athletically. Or I could go with 96, Jordan, when he um, grasped the secret and became a winner. Um, that's when he became a great, a better teammate. I mean, I'm gonna go with 92. Um, this is him come. This is the he. This is the greatest basketball player of all time, with a second ring under his belt. I'm going with this version of of Michael Jordan. You really can't go wrong with any version of MJ, but I'm going with this version. He is going to be my best player. Next up, I have 2013 LeBron. There are so many different versions of LeBron. Like he's gone through so many evolutions during his career. At this point, he was the best he's ever been defensively. Um, but now, like in like from 2016 on, he's hit his peak offensively. He's been the best he's ever been as a passer. The best he's ever been as a shooter. Um, but I I really want the defense. I really 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 need um good defenders on my team. I don't want to have a a weakness on defense, especially from a guy that I'm gonna play in the three or the four. Um, so I'm going with this version of LeBron that averaged twenty five point nine points per game, six point six assists per game, eight point four rebounds, one point eight steals, and point eight blocks per game. He won the title that year. Won the MVP. He was amazing. And he was great defensively. So I'm going with this version of LeBron. Um, wow. Those are two great players. MJ and LeBron. I got to have them on my team. Next up. 2017 Kevin Durant. This is one of the best players I have ever witnessed alive. Uh, 17 Kevin Durant was Pink Durant. It was the best he's ever been defensively. He was a great scorer. He averaged 28.5 points per game. 4.3 assists, 7.9 rebounds, 0.8 steals, 1.3 blocks per game. He was insane on both ends of the court. He outplayed LeBron in the finals. He won a ring, and he was the best player on the best team ever. That's why he's on my team, Durant. I love, I love this version of Durant. It's one of my favorite players and one of the best players I've ever seen live. All right, next up. 77 Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. This is probably his best playoff run statistically. Average 34.6 points per game, 4.1 assists, 17.7 rebounds, 1.7 steals, 3.5 blocks per game. He was great defensively, and he was an automatic two points. With his signature skyhook, that skyhook was a guaranteed two points every time. He He's the best center ever. Um, I don't know if he's the most talented. I think Akeem could take that title, but Kareem is the best center of all time. He played at an elite level on both ends of the court. I gotta have him on my team. He was amazing. Also, I need to point out, he had a 32.4 PER in this playoff run. That's insane. Alright, this team wouldn't be complete without the greatest point guard of all time. So I'm going with 85 Magic Johnson. He averaged 17.5 points per game, 15.2 assists per game. That's insane. 7.1 rebounds, 1.7 steals, and 0.2 blocks per game. He's one of, if not the greatest passer of all time. He's a great teammate. Everyone loves to play with him. And everyone on this team is going to love to play with him. He's going to make his teammate. He's going to make everybody around him better. And although he's not as great offensively and isn't and doesn't spread the floor as much as I'd like, um, I can't have this team without him. He's the best point guard of all time. He's got to be on this team. Also, now that I think about it, um, I wrote an article about this. Go check it out. And in the article, I did mention that with this with this team, my philosophy, uh, my offensive philosophy is I, 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 this team is going to run a five-out offense, uh, five-out with a lot of motion sets, and not only are we going to run that, we're going to we're going to run five out so we can uh, we're going to have a lot of cuts, and we just want to be really efficient on offense, and we also want to shoot a lot of threes. Um, we can run, we can run a, an old school version, or an old school offense where we have two bigs, or we go four out, one in, and we feed a big man. We can do a, we just, I would just want to be very versatile offensively. Um, so that's my philosophy. 
And on defense, we're going to press a lot. We're going to double team a lot. We're going to put a lot of pressure on the ball. And we want to be really, really good defensively. Um, that's why I ha that's why almost everyone on this team is great defensively. Like, the only weakness we have is my starting point guard and my backup point guard. And, and those are the only two guys who aren't good defenders. But everyone else is elite defensively, which I really like about this team. Also, my thought process when I chose all these players, I wanted guys that A, knew how to win, B, would fit together, and C, just just had a had a understand uh, had an understanding for the secret of basketball. And if you don't know what the secret is, the secret of basketball is go check out Bill Simmons, the book of basketball 2.0 podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcast. He explains it there. Um, it's a really neat concept that he came up with. I like it. Um, so go check that out. But that's that's uh the process I went through when I chose all these players. Let's let's move on and keep going through the list. Alright, um, my backup point guard is going to be 2018 Stephen Curry. I could have chose 16 Curry. Um, that was his best regular season. Uh, but he was much better in the playoffs this year. Didn't choke in the finals. He, he was uh, probably better than Durant in the finals this year. But he didn't win MVP, finals MVP. He averaged 25.5 points per game. 5.4 assists per game, 6.1 rebounds, 1.7 steals, and 0.7 blocks. He was amazing in this playoff run, and in my opinion, should have won Finals MVP that year. He was great, and at this point, he he real. This is where um he truly understood how to play with other elite teammates. This is when he became the best teammate. In my uh, the this is when he became the best version of himself as a teammate. That's what I was trying to say. Um, I love this version of Steph Curry, and yeah, he's gonna be my backup point guard. He's gonna spread the floor, and he's gonna pull up from thirty and just kill other teams. All right, let's moving on. I needed some shooting off the bench, so I'm going with six, 2016 Clay Thompson. Uh, he averaged 24.3 points per game, 2.3 assists per game. 3.7 rebounds, 1.1 steals, and 0.4 blocks per game. He was amazing, had some incredible moments, including Game 6 in the Western Conference Finals against the Thunder. I need a shooter off my bench, and he's the second best shooter of all time. Alright, now, uh, I needed a Michael Jordan 2.0 coming off the bench, and who is better to fill that role than Kobe Bryant? I'm going with 2001 Kobe. Young Kobe was a beast athletically. I could have gone with the older version of Kobe, uh, but I wanted the athleticism and the defense that he provided as a young Froby. Uh, he averaged 29.4 points per game, 6.1 assists, 7.3 rebounds, 1.6 steals, and 0.8 blocks. He was amazing. And he is um, going to be one of the best players off my bench. I really like him. Hopefully, he doesn't try to kill anybody at practice. Hopefully. Uh, next up, Dwayne Wade. Uh, I'm going with 06 Dwayne Wade. This is the best version of Wade. He averaged 28.4 points per game, 5.7 assists per game, 5.9 rebounds per game, 2.2 steals per game, and 1.1 blocks per game. He was incredible in the 06 finals, and his performance in that series was reminiscent of a, of Michael Jordan. He was great. He's also very good defensively, and he can play point guard and shooting guard. I really needed a point guard that was good defensively. Dwayne Wade, at this point, had uh, this was his first ring. I wanted the winner, so I went with him over Chris Paul. And he's going to be uh, my point guard uh, when we go into a press defense. I like what he can provide uh, defensively. Um, and we have four, no, we have three three players left on this roster. Uh, 03 Tim Duncan. He's got to be on this team. He's one of the 10 greatest players ever, the best power forward ever, um, and he's super underrated because he wasn't flashy. He just did everything at a high level, did the dirty work. I love Tim Duncan. We're going with 03 Tim Duncan. 24.7 points per game, 5.3 assists, 15.4 rebounds, 0.6 steals, and 3.3 blocks per game, which is ridiculous. Like I said, he was amazing. He won the ring this year. This, this was his second title. He also won MVP that year. Um, he's amazing. He's going to be great coming off the bench. 
All right, two more players left, and they're both from the Celtics. We have 86 Larry Bird, who did did everything at a high level. He was a good shooter, a good scorer, a great passer, a great defender, and a great rebounder. He was amazing. He's going to be my Swiss Army knife coming off the bench. He can play the two, the three, or the four. He's amazing. Uh, I had to have him on this team. 25.9 points per game, 8.2 assists, 9.3 rebounds, 2.1 steals, and 0.6 blocks. Bird is a freaking beast. I love him. And finally, I couldn't, this team would not be complete without the greatest winner of all time, Bill Russell. And although Bill Russell wasn't great offensively, he wasn't a great scorer. He was a very good passer, a very good rebounder, and a very good shot blocker. And he can be very valuable on this team. He's not going to play a lot, not going to give me a lot of minutes, but he's a great teammate, probably the best teammate ever. And he won 11 titles in 13 years. He's going to be on this team. I went with 1962 Bill Russell. And I don't think I mentioned it. I did go with 1986 Larry Bird, if I didn't specify. Uh, But back to Bill Russell. Um, He was the greatest winner of all time. And he embodied what it meant to be a great leader, teammate, and winner. And um, he was all of those things. And it's easy to tell that Russell understood the secret of basketball. So that's the roster, and uh, I want to give you a list of honorable mentions. Mentions these were guys that I considered putting on this team. Uh, Ninety-four Akeem, uh, Akeem Olajuwon, uh, 2019 Kawhi Leonard, 2011 Dirk, uh, 2001 Ray Allen, 08 Chris Paul, 92 Scottie Pippen, and 2019 Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, there it is. That's the complete roster. Now uh, I'm gonna show you all my line, tell you all my lineups, and then I'm gonna divide the minutes up amongst everybody. Uh, my starters are gonna be Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Larry Bird, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's probably the best lineup you could come up with. Um, I mean, that who's beating that team? Like no one. Um, then off the bench you have Steph Curry, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, Tim Duncan, Bill Russell. Dwayne Wade, and Clay Thompson. This team is amazing. Uh, my defensive lineup, I have Dwayne Wade, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Bill Russell, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Imagine trying to score against these guys. Oh, wait. You can't. Um, my small ball lineup, I have Steph Curry, Dwayne Wade, Michael Jordan, uh, Larry Bird, and then LeBron James slash Bill Russell. We're going to run teams off the court with the line, with this lineup. You can put Kobe in here, but I'd rather have a second shooter along with Steph. Also, I don't need Kobe to have an in-game alpha dog moment with MJ. So, he just misses out on being in this lineup. Uh, my shooting lineup, I have Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, Clay Thompson, Larry Bird, and Kevin Durant. Four elite three-point shooters and arguably the best mid-range shooter ever. I love this lineup. Uh, my best five out lineup, I have Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Kevin Durant, and Bill Russell. This is a mixture of our shooting lineup and our small ball lineup. You could run a five out offense where you prioritize getting the ball open to, uh, or getting the ball to open cutters, which would change this lineup. Uh, but I prioritize shooting, so I went with this. Our best full court press lineup, I have Dwayne Wade, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and either Tim Duncan or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Choose one of those guys. Earlier, I said I wanted our, our opponent. Okay, in the in this article, I said I wanted our opponents to be on their knees begging for mercy by the time the game is over, and I think this lineup gets the job done. Uh, then our crunch time lineup: we have Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan. LeBron James, Larry Bird, and either Tim Duncan or Kareem. So basically, our starting lineup, and you can interchange Tim Duncan and Kareem. Um, you can run this lineup with both Duncan and Kareem, like I said. And if you want to run an old-school style offense, um, either guy would fit that. Either way, this lineup is getting it done. Um... Now, let's look at the minutes. Starters, Magic Johnson is going to play 28 minutes. Michael Jordan is going to play 35 minutes. LeBron James is going to play 30. Larry Bird, 28. And Kareem is going to play 30. Off my bench, Kevin Durant is playing 25 minutes. Steph Curry is playing 15. Tim Duncan is playing 15 as well. Kobe Bryant is going to play 12. Bill Russell is going to play 10 minutes. Dwayne Wade is going to play 8 minutes. And Clay Thompson is going to play 4 minutes. Now, uh, some of these guys m- might not play in a game. 
So I can I can play magic more. I can play stuff more. I can do a lot of things. But I, this is my fantasy all-time NBA team. Um, this team, as far as I can see, has zero weaknesses. We have shooting, passing, rebounding, defense, and versatility. We can do all these things at a very high level. And most importantly, we have a team full of guys who are winners and have grasped the secret. No one is beating this team. No one. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. Um, and if you want to see more content from us here at The Wire, check, check out our website at thewiresports.com. We have articles, po- this podcast. Uh, we have uploaded some YouTube videos. You can go check those out. Uh, Thomas just recently posted a post-free mock draft with trades. That's the first mock draft that we've done with trades. So go check that out. I hope y'all enjoyed this, and I will see y'all next time. Whoa, whoa, whoa.